Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Jeff Grammer with the Albuquerque Journal, and you are listening to the Talking Grammar Podcast, episode 60 here already of this podcast. Glad you're listening, however you got here, whether it's through iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, abqjournal.com, where we post every episode of the archive um, of this podcast. Today's, as I record this, today's episode is is on Monday night. Um, it's the eve of a really big game in the pit. It's Nevada, and it's New Mexico. It's Steve Alford coaching against Richard Pitino. It's going to be something that the fans are really interested in, obviously, on Tuesday night. And I bring you today some sound from Richard Pitino, some sound from Jamal Mashburn Jr. as they talked to local media Monday uh, earlier in the day today. But I also had a conversation yesterday over the phone. Not the best audio. It is a cell phone interview that I recorded that I'm bringing you. But my conversation with Steve Alford. Don't talk a lot about the uh, the 10 years ago pass. We do talk about the game two weeks ago in Reno, a double overtime win for Nevada over a ranked UNM team at the time that uh, prompted a court storming. Uh, the, the Nevada Wolfpack fans thought highly enough of New Mexico to go ahead and storm the court after that win. And uh, it was a great game. One of the best I got to cover in a long time. Over 50 minutes of basketball, double overtime, obviously. Over 50 minutes of basketball, neither team led at any point by more than five points. There were 16 lead changes. There were 21 ties. Jamal Mashburn Jr. scores a career-high 33 points. Um, they uh, Nevada had three three players score in the 20s. It was just a really, really good game. The way it ended, I know, had a, a retroactive flagrant foul called on Morrisu Daisy after he was fouled when referees went to the video monitor after not calling anything on, on the court as the play happened, and then a timeout was later called. During that timeout, which had nothing to do with the play, they go back to the video monitor, and they see that while Morrisu Daisy was fouled multiple times, they're not a allowed to retroactively call common fouls, but they are allowed and they are required by rule to retroactively call a flagrant foul. Well, after Morrissey Daisy had been fouled a couple times, he did swing his arm and make contact above the shoulders with Daniel Foster of Nevada. The rule was right. The interpretation of it was right. Um, no fouls being called the first go-round is what the frustration stems from for a lot of Lobo fans. And certainly from Richard Patino's standpoint, had he not called the timeout, what were they going to do? Not not review it? Were they going to review it after the after the fact, after the final buzzer? Um, all those questions are, are kind of you know left unanswered because we, we just don't know. And uh, it was a it was a poor way for the game to end in double overtime because it was such a great game you don't want a controversial sort of retroactive flagrant foul to kind of be the determining point of what was a tie game and and the free throws led to the led to the final margin of victory for Nevada but this podcast isn't so much about that game two weeks ago it's about Tuesday night's game it's about Craig Neal and his associate head coach it's about Steve Alford and Craig Neal who is Steve Alford's associate head coach who also used to coach the Lobos about them coming back to the pit for the second time they are in their fourth year coaching at Nevada. This is only the second time they've been back in the pit. And uh, the first time in 2020 when they coached, they, they comfortably beat UNM. But the game was really just that. It was it was just the Alford return to the pit. The, there were no postseason implications. There, neither team was in the running for Mountain West Conference Championship. This go-around, it's different. Both teams are inside the top 40 of the net rankings. So both teams have NCAA at-large berth um, hopes right now. Both teams are inside on the right side of the bubble on quite a few bracket projections right now. So they need to keep winning, obviously. The the game's more important for UNM because a home loss would hurt a whole lot more than a road loss would for Nevada. And because they already lost once to Nevada, um, obviously the the redemption factor uh, would, be, would be big for UNM. They are favored by three and a half points. Both teams 
those among are among the five teams in the Mountain West that are still in the running for Mountain West Conference Championship, too. There's one month left in the season, and all these top five teams, I'll go in order of the rankings right now, it's Boise State is at the top of the rankings, and then there's a, a tie at second place um, among three teams at eight and three, and that's, um, I'm sorry, San Diego State's in first place at nine and two. Then there's a three-way tie in second place, Boise State, Utah State, and Nevada, and then New Mexico, who has played one game less than all of those teams so far. New Mexico is in fifth right now, so they need to need to win to kind of keep pace, but those five teams have sort of separated themselves in the NCAA tournament discussion and in the running for the Mountain West Conference Championship. But they are still, all, all five, very much in that league championship race, but none of them have guaranteed themselves a spot in the NCAA tournament. They all have to win some big games still, and they can't afford more, many more losses. So that's sort of where we're at now. The final month of the Mountain West Conference season is going to be great because there is a lot of meaningful basketball left to play. So should be fun. Tuesday night should be really fun. I think 15,000 fans will be there. I think it will be an 8.30. It is an 8.30 start by FS1, and I do think it'll be an environment that uh, should, should be like a lot of the other ones so far this year. A really exciting, intense environment. So hope you're enjoying the coverage we're doing all season long, digitally and in print at the Albuquerque Journal. Online, abqjournal.com slash sports is how you can get to a lot of our online only content. And, and we're doing a lot of videos too, some Facebook Lives before games. We're doing this podcast. We're doing uh, bringing you post-game videos home and on the road. We are still the only local outlet devoted devoting resources to cover this Lobo basketball season for you home and road. So hope you guys enjoy that and appreciate that. And if you can, I'm going going to ask it's my usual ask subscribe help local journalism abqjournal.com slash subscribe is how you can subscribe to our paper digitally or in print and it does help with things like this podcast and our coverage of global basketball so without further ado let's get into the the content of the other people not just the talking grammar part of the podcast but let's start off with with Richard Patino in, in year two kind of like Alford a former Big Ten coach at a young age things didn't work out so much for him he got fired at Minnesota at Iowa for Alford when he came to in 2007 when he came to UNM he did not get fired but people in Iowa weren't exactly thrilled with uh, what was going on in his tenure there he found uh, a pretty soft landing spot in New Mexico I wouldn't say he resurrected his career because his career was far from over but he, he definitely rebuilt his career and and did in six years with UNM things that really put him on another level that that then launched him to a UCLA status and and made you know life-changing money for him and his family and and uh, took the UCLA job so he did some good things Richard Pertino in just a year or two has, has been doing some good things so far too after his Big Ten run didn't work out for him so there are some similarities there um, Pertino does acknowledge some of those similarities what he did in the press conference earlier today but for now he knows that you know you got to take it game by game and what's online or what's ahead for this game on Tuesday night here's Richard Pitino sort of getting us uh, started with previewing and then setting up Tuesday night's game between the Nevada Wolfpack and the UNM Lobos but uh, they've had some really good wins at home um, obviously beating what San Diego State Boise State and us um, so they've got some good momentum you know and and we take a step back and we got to realize we've won five of seven. You know, we've won 19 games. So um, we've only lost one game at home in this building. So can we finish out the right way? And it's not just the coach. The Lobo players like Jamal Mashburn Jr. here in just a second, they know how important this game Tuesday night against the Nevada Wolfpack is going to be. And uh, here you go. Here's Jamal Mashburn Jr. on that. 
Oh, none at all. None at all. I mean, we all know, uh, you know, what, what's at stake with this game. I mean, you know, we this is a, a top team in the conference. So, and then we're, we're trying to be one of those top teams. So, um, this is an important game for us. And I think we've been prepared for that. And we will be prepared for that tomorrow. And it's interesting to to hear Mashburn talk with a with a month left in the season talk about games that are important that are meaningful. He didn't have that at Minnesota as a freshman. He didn't have that last year when he and Jalen House became sort of a bit of a two man show and the Lobos were shorthanded with no big man and they only won thirteen games. You could kind of see glimpses of the future, how good they could be down the road, but they they didn't have meaningful games at this time a year ago uh, for the Lobos. So so now with a month left, it's it's fun to hear Jamal Mashburn Jr. talk about his excitement for these games how big they are and uh here's here's another clip from jamal from monday talking just about how much fun he's having right now especially knowing that every game every night matters we've been enjoying it i mean it's fun i mean this is the best time of basketball you know this time of january and february um when you need these games you need to win these games um you know for for the standings and just just for the tournament and all that um this is the best time of year i mean guys are i mean i'm having a blast and i know the guys are so um we, we just can't wait for tomorrow so while it's a big game and we know the NCAA implications, the, the Mountain West Conference Championship and standings implications, and, and it's nice hearing from the players talk about how fun it is to be in, in meaningful, impactful games this time of year, there's also still the element to a, for an awful lot of Lobo fans about that opposing coach. And here's Richard Pitino, the current UNM Lobo coach, talking about the former UNM Lobo coach and how in the grand scheme of things, it is a, an interest level for those fans, but his team... His team doesn't really care about who the opposing coach is. John Wooden could be coaching and my players wouldn't care. You know, I mean, they just don't. It's it's no disrespect to Coach Alford, but, like, they don't. He was here, what, 10 years ago. That, that That's like an eternity to these young people. Uh, for me, I've kind of experienced maybe what Coach Alford has in a different extent with my dad leaving Kentucky and then going back to Louisville. Um Coach Alford did amazing things here in six years. Um, Coach Neal, I got a lot of respect for both of those guys. Um, it's just part of the profession where, it, you know, it, it, there's the old expression, it never ends well because if it didn't, it wouldn't end, right? I mean, and so it rarely ends the way we all want it to end, whether it was my dad leaving Kentucky to go to the Boston Celtics, amazing opportunity. Coach Alford obviously going to UCLA, amazing opportunity. I understand it. Um, but I know fans are very, very passionate and, uh, they love their Lobos and they love the state of New Mexico and I get it. Um, but I, I've got a lot of respect for coach all for what he's done. I think he's a terrific coach. He's a good guy, built a great program. And he was one of the reasons why, cause I had a similar path. Although I was fired in Minnesota, you know, Iowa, he had some good years, but it was kind of similar to what we were going through. And, and I felt like, Coach Alford came in here and just did an amazing job, and and I feel like we can do the same thing. So I don't tell fans what to think or what to do. I just hope they show up and and cheer on the Lobos. So um, I got nothing respect but respect for him as a coach. All right, so there was some interesting interesting perspective from Richard Pitino, his background both when he was younger and what his dad went through coaching at Kentucky and then coaching a rival at a rival place like Louisville um, and, and the treatment, I guess, from, from fan bases, but also his own kind of path and, and the Big Ten similarities between uh, when it didn't work out at his Big Ten school to young age and, and kind of New Mexico being that next job. And, and uh, it's only been a year and a half, a season and a half, but he's found great success pretty quickly, just like Alford did when he got here in 2000, here in Albuquerque in 2007. So interesting stuff from Mashburn, interesting stuff from Patino. 
But let's get to it. Here's my conversation with former UNM Lobo head coach Steve Alford, current Nevada Wolfpack coach Steve Alford. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? Pretty good. Steve, how about you? You doing all right? Doing great. Thank you. Yep. We got a small window here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go over a couple things. I do want to talk to you about the first game um, between the two schools, which was a one of the funnest games I've got to cover. Um, I don't know how it is for you coaches, but um, I want to talk about the return to Albuquerque. I know that's kind of a in the past thing, but I want to start with the bigger, broader picture on the season for you guys. Like you know, guys like me pick you guys ninth in the preseason, so obviously we would say it's a surprise. Has this season at all been a surprise to you for for how well you guys are doing? Um, I, not not a surprise because I know what we brought in, what we had coming back, and what we brought in uh, through freshmen and the transfer portal in the spring, and we're without two key parts in Hunter McIntosh and KJ Heim. So I'm just very, it's not surprised, just very very pleased with what our guys have been able to do because they played really good, consistent basketball. Is there a is there a pinpoint kind of why why it's worked out so well? Is it just the the guys you brought in and you you pieced it together properly, or was there anything that um you would kind of pinpoint as to why you guys you guys are in contention right now for a tournament run well, and a title? I, I thought our our first two years were progressing very very well, um, and then we, the first year, which was year two, which was the first year of COVID, we didn't really feel COVID until the end. And then year three, we just got smashed with COVID. Uh, coaches got it. We're out 10 days. Then our players got it. We were out 10 more days. And then opponents got it. Two different opponents got it. So we went from December 25th. Um, we played one game in a month. And in fact, I think that might have been New Mexico at home. Uh, so we went through a month. We only played one game. And so then I think, and then we started getting injuries. Uh, Grant got hurt. Warren got hurt. Uh, and it was just, uh, it was a season of what could go wrong, did go wrong, um, in year three. So we had to take a step back, obviously, from what we were building. And then these guys have done a tremendous job of just kind of rebooting, refocusing how we want to do things and have done a really good job. Is there anything to be said for kind of winning? Like sometimes guys get the confidence once you start winning a little bit and you might have a good team, but when you lose, it kind of starts snowballing maybe like last year. And this year when you win, it starts snowballing the other direction, obviously. And, and it just needs sometimes the, the players sort of need that validation that like they need a couple of those early wins to, to sort of get the ball rolling. Yeah, there's no question. And we didn't, you know, the, uh, I give the players credit because we didn't hold back on schedule. We've got one of, if not the best schedule strength in our league right now. And so we didn't hide in the non-conference to where we were, you know, trying to just get this new team going, you know, and we told them that back in April that most of our schedule was already done because we thought after year three, a lot of these guys were coming back and we were going to be old. Um, you look around our league, there are a lot of old teams and we thought we were going to be one of those, but without Hunter and out KJ, we're not as one of the old teams. So just what they've done, you know, through 24 games has, has been really pleasing and, and a great credit to them because we don't have a ton of experience. You know, we're coming, we're, we're coming to the pit and I don't know if we've got, you know, KJ's hurt. Um, I don't think. Huh. Like I know we, we all have one player that's played in the pit. Um, so, you know, when we go to San Diego State, we go to all these places, 
like the pit that's a great home court, uh, these guys are doing it for the first time. So we don't have that experience that thought we might have at the beginning of the year. That's a good point, and I hadn't really thought about that. I I realize KJ's been around, but yeah, I'll bet you there isn't anybody. Part of that's because, <clears throat> excuse me, the way the schedule played out the last couple of years with the unbalanced and then the COVID year when New Mexico you know, hosted yeah. games in Lubbock. But yeah, I, I didn't realize that. I'll bet you guys don't have anybody playing that's been yeah. in the pit. But um, let me ask you about that first game, the, the you know, just two weeks ago, basically. And, and it was, it, I mean, it, for me, it was one of the best games I got to cover, certainly this year. But, you know, it ranks up there. There's 50 minutes of basketball with 16 leads changes nobody led by more than five the whole game you look at the stat sheet at the end and, and it looked like a pretty even game what what's your takeaway from that game is it just sort of a move on or did that one stand out a little bit more than others well i've always said i was a fan first of the game and we've been we've been fortunate that we've won them uh now they've been home games but I've said this league this year, it's hard to win at home or on the road. And um, obviously, I, I'm appreciative that we won these games that I'm talking about. But Boise at home, San Diego State at home, and obviously New Mexico at home. These are three of the best college basketball games that you know I've been a part of in a while. Uh, they've just been back and forth where I thought both teams um, really played well and really played hard. And kids on both sides making play after play. And we just, you know, we're fortunate to win those. Um, but, um, I thought they were just really good college basketball games. And that's what the New Mexico game was. I'd be remiss if I don't ask about how it ended. I, I don't want the memory of that game to be about a call at the end, but I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, do you have any thoughts on just sort of the way the final 20 seconds or so played out and the review and the flagrant? Um, any thoughts on that? No, I just think it's, you know, that's why they review things. You know, sometimes it goes in your favor, sometimes it doesn't. When I see things live, you know, I, we can, as coaches, you know, all of us can feel like we know what it was. <laughs> I think that's why the new era, when you review it, um, it's like we review film with players. Players don't think they did something wrong and then tape doesn't lie. So when you review film, that's where officials can make the call that, that they see on film that maybe they didn't see live. And so I, it's a, it's a hard one to combat that was wrong because it was reviewed. Yeah. I, uh, I will say too, in, in that game, you, you know, I, <laughs> I, I don't. I, I thought Noodles and you had the offense kind of just, you know, on on high level in that first half, especially. Um, I, I thought both teams' offense was was just sort of back and forth. I thought the defenses kind of stepped up second half and overtimes a little bit, but um, you, you guys had the offense humming in that first half. And is that is that one of the best first halves, or or do you do you know? Where, I guess where does the offense rank in in terms of how you played that night, especially early on with Will Baker going? Is that one of your best halves of basketball, offensively? Um, yeah, I'd have to look back. I think we scored forty one. We've had halves where we've scored more than that, and we've had halves where we've shot the ball uh, better than that. Our offense has been uh, clicking. Uh, and doing a lot of good things for a while. Um, our guys are getting more experienced. We just, we just played Air Force and I thought, you know, we played them over a month ago and they're a lot better offensively than what they were a month ago because their kids are older, more mature, running the Princeton and it's no different. I think our guys understand reads a little bit better and, um, and I thought both New Mexico and, uh, and ourselves were really guarding hard and their offense was clicking. Our offense was clicking because we've got both teams have really good offensive players, but I don't think it was a lack of defense on either side as much as it was 
good offensive players just making shots and making plays. Yeah, and that might be my my memory of it was that I thought the defense I thought the guys were any you know, it wasn't a bunch of open shots. It was it was guys making shots and maybe that's why I remember that half being better than maybe statistically yeah. it was. But um right. you are returning now to the to the pit and and the way this has played out um, you're in year four, and this is only your second visit back to Albuquerque now. Um, I want to start with what What do you expect that crowd to be like on Tuesday night, and what do you remember about your first trip uh, back to the pit from a few years ago? Yeah, there's no expectations. Um, you know, obviously, I I was there six years and loved my time in Albuquerque, loved my time at UNM. Doc Smedley was an incredible uh, president that um, equipped us the way – we needed to be equipped to build our program and he and Janet are dear friends and hopefully I get to spend some time with him when I'm there, uh, even though we're there briefly, but, uh, it's obviously an incredible fan base, a great basketball fan base. And, you know, we, we feel like, um, we were fortunate to be a part of that. And, you know, we felt like we gave everything we could give. We won six championships in a six year span. So it was something that meant a great deal to us and will always mean a great deal to us. And even though that now I'm in the same league, um, those are scores I constantly look at, you know, and uh, I'll look at in the non-league, you know, New Mexico, because they're one of the teams I was at. Uh, I look at those scores before I look at any other league team score. So, and I think uh, Richard's doing a tremendous job of getting that enthusiasm uh, back to a, a high level. And they've got an outstanding basketball team that's like us. We're both in the hunt. And, you know, I, I look for a very competitive game and a very, very hard environment for our guys to play. You two both being in the hunt, uh, and you're only two of five that are in the hunt of this league right now. Your, your last season at UNM, five out of nine teams made it. And I kind of look at that year as the sort of high watermark of what the Mountain West was when more than half made it. But in terms of just five really good teams, this year's Mountain West seems to be there. Maybe not the high-end kind of top 10 in the country level teams, but these five teams right now at their best, the A game for the five Mountain West teams in in the hunt right now is is a pretty good kind of group of of five teams. Where, Where would you say this ranks with some of the better Mountain West years in terms of having five that are all pretty good when they're on their game? Yeah, I, Jeff, I agree. I, I think it's it rivals that year that we had when we had five in. And I think the difference is uh, that year it might have been a little top heavy. This year, it's I, I think it's all the one through eleven. <laughs> it's you know it, they, it is a very deep league, and going on the road or even beating a home team. You know, it's hard to do this year, top to bottom. I can remember the, that year you were talking about the bottom of the league. To me, was the bottom of the league, yeah. and you could almost, if you played your BC game, you could still get a win. This year is different. I, I, I feel like, you know, it, like we're looking at just the rest of our schedule. We're, we're gonna have to have our A game, or where we're playing at home on the road, no matter who we play, because um, I, I think there's that much respect for everybody. You know, Wyoming's last in our league or near the bottom of our league. Right. And they were picked to finish second. They've been riddled with injuries. I, the plan that we got to play them late in the year. I don't, that's not what I envy doing. <laughs> it, it's just a really good basketball league that's very deserving. I don't know what happened this weekend. Uh, if it changed, but going into the weekend, we were the only league in the country that had five teams that had 17 or more wins in the league and overall. And so uh, hopefully we get the respect that our league deserves. It's always been a great basketball league. I've been a part of it 10 years now, and it's just been a phenomenal basketball league. And hopefully 
you know, we get the attention and we get the, the notoriety that our league needs because we do have five teams that, um, at least through 24 games, uh, we've, do, we've done our job of, of being there. I think that's indicative of, uh, the nets that we have, the strength of schedules that we have. And hopefully we don't get, hopefully teams throughout our league that you don't get punished by beating up on one another here late in the year. Real quick to your point about the bottom of the league, Hunter Maldonado was preseason all-conference. Isaiah Stevens was preseason all-conference. And those are the two teams at the bottom of the standings right now. Two two teams led by, even with the Graham E.K. injury, but two teams led by two of the best players in the league, and they're at the bottom of the standings. So yeah, this year's pretty pretty good top to bottom, I would say. Steve, I appreciate it. Um, When I was there in Reno, I got to got to see your wife, and I saw Noodle's wife, and, and I, I always good. appreciated the relationships that you guys had off the court with us here. Um, I know there are fans here that still appreciate those. Some fans that, you know, will give it to you guys because you're the opposing coaches. So <laughs> I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, Steve. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. All right. Well, there you have it. There's my conversation with Steve Alford. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Episode 60 of the Talking Grammar podcast is what this one is. So, Tuesday night should be a big game, should be a fun game for for fans and for the Mountain West Conference. There are five teams that very much still have very legitimate NCAA tournament chances and possibilities right now. It's going to be an exciting last month of the season. I wouldn't say a single one of those five has guaranteed themselves a spot yet in the uh, in the NCAA tournament. So they all still got to keep winning. They all still got to keep uh, avoiding bad losses. And uh, that's what makes this final month ahead. Pretty fun, and as to what Steve Steve talked about during the conversation I had with him, even the bottom of the league is pretty good this year, and and I'd be shocked if if some of those top five, I mean, UNM's already had two of them, but if some of those other top five teams don't get picked off by, you know, a team or two outside of that group of five at the top of the Mountain West standings right now, so there's still still some losses on the board for for these top teams, and and a lot of good win opportunities to build the NCAA tournament resumes. So hope you enjoyed that conversation. Hope you enjoyed the sound from the press conference with Richard Patino, and I hope you enjoyed Tuesday night's game eight. 30 p.m. Mountain Time here in Albuquerque at the uh, at the pit. It'll be let me see. It'll be FS1 broadcasting the game on television. Of course, you can follow me and our coverage in the Albuquerque Journal of the game. I'll have an emptying the notebook column afterwards, plus video of interviews and stuff like that. So should be fun. Glad you're listening. Again, you can subscribe at any time. Help local journalism. Support local journalism. abqjournal.com slash subscribe is how you can help us out there. And uh, give me some feedback. Let me know what you think about this podcast and all the podcasts I do, plus all the coverage I do in the Albuquerque Journal covering global basketball and beyond. Got reader mailbags going. Got a lot of emptying the notebook online only columns. A lot of digital content, plus plenty of stuff that goes into print. So let me know what you think on Twitter at Jeff Grammer or email ggrammer at abqjournal.com. Until next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks.